Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Welcome, welcome. We have an exciting show uh, for you today, and I have to tell you, I, I literally just slid in last night from Egypt, had an incredible experience in Cairo with the Global Leadership Summit. And uh, I, I'm about ready to burst just seeing how God is moving over there in, in Egypt and the exciting things that are going on um, from leadership to the government and just craziness from what's taken place since the revolution just a few years ago. And so with that, I, I am going to jump in, though, because we have an amazing guest uh, he is here uh, with Harvest USA, which is a nonprofit that has been ministering to individuals and families um, over the past, <clears throat> I want to say, a hundred years. But I'm I'm going to let Nicholas uh, share that with us on exactly your role, Nicholas, and tell us a little bit more about Harvest USA. And I'm going to stop talking and just welcome you. How are you today, Nicholas? I'm good, thank you. Unfortunately, I'm in a city that's not quite as exotic as Cairo, um, <laughs> Philadelphia, but it's a nice place. I call it home. Yes. And that's the, lo- that's the location of Harvest USA, and it's a ministry that feels maybe like we've been around for 100 years, but uh, we started 35 years ago as a ministry out of a church in downtown Philadelphia called 10th Presbyterian Church. And there was a concern by the church that it was in a gay neighborhood. And at that time in the 80s, the churches, sadly, evangelical churches, were beginning to shun the gay community because of the AIDS epidemic. And therefore, Harvest was started as a ministry to reach out to gays and lesbians and share the gospel with them and to be... Um, people of faith who would call them to faith as well. Uh, We've since expanded over the last 35 years. Uh, The Internet came into existence in the late 90s, and we have seen a lot more sexual brokenness, uh, especially among people of the church, evangelicals. And uh, so now we also minister to people who struggle with pornography, um, sexual promiscuity, uh, and things like that. Hmm. So, so tell us, Nicholas, uh, where, where your heart is and what happened where God directed you to start working at Harvest? How long have you been there? And where do you just, what's your, what's your pain points that you see? Okay, this is where God has me. Cause so often, you know, we, we call that, that holy discontent mm-hmm. where you're going along and then you, you see this huge void and you go, okay, here's my shift, and then God just kind of sends you down a path that maybe you didn't even see yourself on until he, until he blasts that on you. That's right. Uh, you know, most of the people who uh, have worked and are working at Harvest USA have um, 
a sexual brokenness background, either those who live with same-sex attraction and have struggled with that, or those who have struggled with other types of sexual struggles and sin, like pornography. Uh, I came to Harvest as one who wasn't caught up in any of those things, but I had a, a number of friends, dear friends, whose lives and marriages collapsed because of pornography addictive struggles. And um, Harvest came after me about 12 years ago, uh, primarily because of my organizational and writing skills. And um, I felt that based on what I had, how I had ministered as a pastor for people whose lives were just shattered because of sexual behavior and struggles, um, I thought this is a place to go to. And yeah, I didn't expect to wind up here. Um, didn't expect I'd still be here 12 years later, but I am. And I've seen um, God work amazing ways in people uh, who've, you know, they've had to pick up the pieces of their lives and God has put it back together uh, in really beautiful but still broken and scarred ways. So that's my story. So what, tell us a little bit more about Alive, this book. Why did they choose to approach this subject with a 10-week Bible study versus just a traditional book um, format? And where did the title Alive come from? And, and that's one of my problems. I ask questions, and I, I usually ask five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I noticed. <laughs> so, so when I have analytical people that I'm interviewing, they're like, wait, let's just, you know, go start from the beginning. So why did they choose this approach to the subject? Um, it's really embedded in our philosophy of wanting to equip churches to not only minister to people who are struggling with sexual brokenness, and that's all of us, really, but um, to equip the helpers to do so. We have found increasingly that people take in information, be it a sermon or a lecture, and they don't wrestle at all with the material of what they're listening to or what they're reading. And what really begins to stick in our hearts and what really begins to, to move us, I think, to apply the gospel in our lives is when we can talk it out with others. We need dialogue. So that's the principal reason for putting this material, not in a book that somebody can simply read and then put back on the shelf and say, hey, I learned something, but to open up a dialogue with other people and get people to be honest about what they're really thinking about these issues. We have found increasingly that so many people in the evangelical church are changing their views on sex and sexuality and even gender. And we don't believe, and we've seen it from churches all over, that simply giving good biblical content, which you need to do, is not enough. You've got to get people to begin talking in a safe environment where they could say, well, I don't know why the scriptures are calling us to something like this, or why, why, do, we, why do we wrestle with something that is so hard to live with, that is our sexuality, um, I don't believe what the Bible says about this or that. We've got to get this out in the open so that these things can be discussed in, in, in a way that I think can be persuasive to change people's minds. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I, I would so agree, uh, agree with you there because so often we come in with our agenda and we want everybody to just, it, it's almost as if you're my project and I'm going to tell you exactly the way you should live your, your life mm -hmm. and here are the rules and what that does it makes people feel less than it makes them not want to have that conversation with you when all of a sudden we're just going to start throwing scripture at your at your face to use it in a judgmental way mm -hmm. rather than what you're saying here is no let's dialogue because when we listen and in it if <laughs> for those of you that are out there, I'm telling, I'm talking to myself here because I I'm horrible at listening and I'm God has showed me in so many ways of how we truly have to stop and quit thinking about what we're going to say next, but listen to what they're saying, ask like poignant questions and get them to process things out loud. Because like you said, when they hear themselves venting or processing, that's how you hear their pain points. Mm -hmm. And that's how you can know, okay, maybe facilitate, you know, let the Holy Spirit help you in growing them in this direction by once again, asking more questions. And then you can share scripture and let the Holy Spirit pierce their hearts in whatever direction that where they're at. So I, I think that is so significant that you, you guys have come along with a book uh, that, that can, that can be done that way. And, and do, are you able to put that in the book on the significance of listening as you're going through this Bible study? Yes. In the, in the introduction part, we stress the fact that this needs to be a dialogue. Here's, here's a strange irony. You know, the, in the culture outside the church, we, as people of faith, are feeling pressured to hide our opinions about sex and sexuality and gender because we'll be judged by what we believe. But in the church, we also silence people because they're afraid to raise the, the, the issues that they're struggling with. They're afraid to admit that they have doubts about what this Christian position is. So the church needs to be that safe place where let's put everything on the table. Let's do it in a non-judgmental way. Um, but let's also together explore what Scripture says and why it says what it says. That's another thing. It's not enough to simply say this is what Scripture says, so here's how you got to believe. Um, we need to, to see the bigger picture of what the vision of Scripture has, what God has for us in terms of how we ought to live. Um, I hope I answered your question there. Uh, yes, absolutely. Okay. And, and so another thing, and, and now we're at a point where we have two minutes and we're going into a commercial break, but how did you all develop the case studies and the real life scenarios that you use in this study. And I know we won't be able to completely finish that question until we come back, but at least we can, we can start on it. We actually have one minute. <laughs> so give us a one minute version and then we'll come back after the break and talk more. 
Yeah, you know, we we talk to a lot of uh, churches. We go into churches. We speak to people. We hear stories. One of the authors and editors of the the book. He's not here with us now because he's over in England doing doctoral work. Uh, but he was a youth minister at a church, and a lot of these scenarios that he encountered, the stories, uh, are real stories um, of those he ministered to. So it, it does come out of real life. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that. We are getting ready to take a commercial break. And just to end on that note, I, I really appreciate what you said there, Nicholas, on we silence people. So as we come back in, how do we get people to share their stories and their pain points? And we want to break that down. We'll be right back after this message. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's Don't you just love to catch bloopers that happen on television? One popular slip of the tongue is a malapropism, which is a mistaken use of one word for another. Malapropisms are named after Mrs. Malaprope, a character in Sheridan's play The Rivals. Spoonerisms are a mix-up of the initial sounds of two or more words. For example, instead of saying, my lips are zipped, one might say, my zips are lipped, or maybe belly jeans instead of jelly beans. One of the earliest bloopers ever recorded is contained on a tinfoil strip on an Edison phonograph in 1878. The recording was restored to reveal a musical performance where the singer forgot the words and sang, Look at me, I don't remember the song. It's words you never I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman. 
on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back. You are listening to Girlfriended Radio, and this is Patty Wyatt. And we love to rally you to do remarkable through resources and relationships. And we have the opportunity to talk to Nicholas Black from Harvest USA. And as we went into the break, we were talking about so often instead of having conversations where we can bring people into it, we have a tendency to silence people, especially when we're talking about sexual situations, sexual content. And Alive is designed to spark great conversations about sexuality between students and their pastors, between youth workers, and also bringing the parents into these conversations. And this study uses real-life scenarios along with key scripture passages to show students how the gospel informs our understanding of sexuality and and speaks to some of the sexual struggles that people are dealing with. And Nicholas, we went into the break where you were saying how he actually got some of these scenarios, and he just went around and he interviewed people and, and had them share. Can you kind of unpack a little bit more about that? Uh, well, I mentioned that uh, Cooper, who's the editor of the book, um, was a youth pastor. So he, many of these, if not all of these scenarios, were situations uh, that occurred in his church or occurred in churches that he spoke at um, uh, when he was working with us at Harvest USA. Yeah, and so let let us know a little bit of, uh, about that. So when he when he used these scenarios. Did um, did they, you know, use the scripture here, have the conversation? And was there, you know, I hate to say the before and after because I feel like God just, you know, uses us to plant seeds. And, mm-hmm. and that, that's another thing. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm sure, Nicholas, you've had the, the same. I know when I was younger, I saw it as, yeah, God's going to use me when I show up. But I didn't want to just plant the seeds. I wanted to see the full growth and the fruit because yeah. of it. And I wanted to see it all happen by tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, to be able, uh, as, as a matter of fact, uh, I'm going to share a story because it just it just happened. So I had a gal in, in my life, and, and actually Lisa and I, we met her in a, a brothel in Vegas. And she doesn't mind me, you know, sharing this story. But as we got to know her, I gave her, you know, my um, phone number and she ended up texting me one day and saying, hey, I'm here in Arizona, not knowing that that's where I lived. And I said, hey, I'm here in Arizona and let's let's get together. I ended up having her meet me every morning. We I I was training for a sprint triathlon. So I said, you know, come do the triathlon with me. Uh, She ended up doing some runs with me, a mud run. And as we really got to know each other, she loved the neighborhood that I I lived in. She ended up getting married and her husband bought her house right behind mine in the same neighborhood. And I kept saying to her, 
God is pursuing you in such a humongous way. Like, do you even get how loved you are? And uh, this is just crazy that I'm able to have this relationship with you. And I really thought that we were going to see an end game here. As I invited her to church, she she knew my friends. She came to these events that I, <laughs> I was doing. And I, I just kept waiting and just kept praying. And uh, she ended up moving and getting divorced, marrying an, another gentleman. Mm-hmm. And I just kept emailing her. She kept emailing me back. And just recently, right before I went to Egypt, I got an email from her that she shared some information about some of the things that resonated with her in our conversations and just thanking me for being there, showing up, not judging her and just loving her. And, and I thought it's, it's so amazing. And this has been over a, a, a decade of this relationship of sometimes we don't get to see the end game, but we do get to see those seeds and that slow process. And I think my, my biggest point of that story is I wish I would have known that when I was younger, um, to change my perspective that this isn't a project. This, this is a relationship that God's just, and you learn from them. And so now I, I pray differently that God show me today who I can have an impact on and put them right in front of me, but also let me see who you're putting in front of me that they're going to have an impact on me and what I can learn from, from all of this. So that whole story is to say, yes, back to the question of, was there some results from some of these scenarios that as he went and interviewed, do you have the end stories in the, in the book? No, we, I don't think we do. And I think one of the reasons for putting in the scenarios as they were written is to take a snapshot or a slice of what someone is engaged with or dealing with and not have that end story. Mm-hmm. Um, we want the, those scenarios were set up so that the teenagers or the young adults would, would recognize those stories and say, that's me or that's my friend or I know people like that. Mm-hmm. It's real. Maybe one of the reasons, and you know, the, the author is not here right now, but I suspect one of the things that he wrote the scenarios the way he did, um, and it, it's something I resonate with, is um, sometimes we hear testimonies in church and we hear that beginning, middle, and end story, and everything is wrapped up so nice and neat. Um, it's wonderful the celebration goes off at the end of the testimony. Um, you know, the reality is that, that our lives are always ongoing. And uh, sometimes we have success in one area, and then we wind up stumbling and falling later on down the road. That doesn't mean that we haven't grown. Um, but our life is a, is a process and a series that goes on. Uh, I like to think one of the ways that we keep ourselves from burning out in ministry is to not look for that end, that end game, as you're saying, but to simply believe that I am playing a moment, a slice in a person's life, God's going to take it. So we're planting seeds every moment we um, we connect with someone. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And I, I just love the word even, you know, connect. We're connecting as humans. And, and I know, uh, you know, what you're sharing is that alive, it's not, it's not to enforce, you know, sexual morale, you know, morality or focus on, uh, just shame, which is 
often what we do, and that is how people see the church, which is unfortunate, where it's almost like, okay, can we rebrand Jesus, please, here? <laughs> and, you know, where it's it's like, rather than, you know, meet the, the students to go, you know, shame them and make them feel less than, this book is really about encouraging them to live out of their identity of who they are in Christ. And, and that is what I'm, I'm hearing you, you say. Yeah, absolutely. We specifically say we're not trying to do some sort of morality-based change here. Um, you know, that's just conformity. We want people to look at Christ. We want people to see him, um, to understand what his gospel means in our lives. And it's from that that you begin to say, you know what? I may not understand why the scripture says this, but I know Jesus and I can trust him mm-hmm. and I'm going to follow him. And and I believe that over time we'll get um, maybe not the full picture, but increasing measure of what that picture means and looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we're not morality based here at all. Um, we, we are very much, hey, if you trust Jesus, or even if you don't trust Jesus, look to him first, and, and he'll walk you through this. Um, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Look, look to him first. He'll, he'll walk you through this. This is the hope. And, and so often, as we see everywhere, uh, people are looking in the wrong places for that hope. And even if, if you can come along, especially in these conversations, and invite people to maybe do a, a quick study— I know I, I work with uh, college-age girls, mm-hmm. and we try to just keep it to all, you know, the same same gender so we can unpack some of these deep conversations of what's going on in their world, what their sexual struggles are, and including uh, pornography with within uh, girls, I think, and you can help me with that, isn't the statistics up to, you know, 40 to 50 percent is do you know the statistics on how many women are now dealing with pornography you know about 10 years ago it was about maybe 30 percent of men and it has gone up since then way up uh-huh. um, i'm not certain whether it, it would be 50 50 now um but women are just as they're, they're just as much a user of visual hardcore pornography as men are Mm-hmm. Um, they really are. So we can no longer say this is a male issue. It isn't. Um, yeah. Not at all. Yeah. yeah. And I think that alone has just blindsided us as, as, as a community as we, you know, have these discussions because you just you just naturally think, oh, this is not a female thing. And yet I, I look back at when the the internet and the smartphones came along I, and my own daughter who in sixth grade was you know you're already dealing with having a smartphone because you just kind of hand it hand it down from the older kids and you you forget you just handed them an internet yes yeah. <laughs> yeah. where curiosity without any guidance and direction has um you know crazy things are going to happen well we're getting ready to take a commercial break and once again when we come back we're going to unpack this amazing book called alive
This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. seen the video of the little seal that jumped into the back of a boat to escape being eaten by killer whales? A family was whale watching near Vancouver Island, British Columbia when they noticed a pod of orcas swimming around their boat. All of a sudden, a harbor seal swam up to the stern of their boat and jumped in with the orcas hot on his tail. When a whale leaps out of the water exposing most of its body, it's called breaching. There are 32 different species of seals distributed throughout the world and are found from polar to tropical waters. The largest concentrations of seals in the U.S. are in California and New England. Everyone who has seen the video agrees this was one lucky seal. What's another word for the fear of the sea? Thalassophobia. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back. We are talking with Nicholas Black from Harvest USA, which is a nonprofit that has been ministering to individuals and families affected by sexual struggles since 1983. And with over 100 years of combined direct ministry experience, Harvest USA staff seeks to equip the church with their writings and teachings on biblical sexuality and how to help those who struggle sexually. And Nicholas, right before we went into the commercial break, we were talking about um, pornography and how it's not just an issue for men, that women now, you know, they've jumped on board as, as well. And like I said, you know, it, it, we've been blindsided by what we've given kids at such a young age. And then often by the time we're having these conversations, They've already been curious. They're looking at things. They've uh, been exposed to things that I would have never thought um, that my, I, I, you know, that I haven't seen yet alone to to let a ten year old, a nine year old uh, see some of these um, the, the visuals that you can't unsee. And I know I, I've had uh, gals in my group, which once again. They don't mind me sharing. They're very open about these topics and conversations, which I'm always surprised at how open when you do have this dialogue with our youth, they, they do want to talk about it. They do want to share. But um, one, of, one of the gals, she was five years old when 
her dad brought home some videos from uh, Blockbuster, and someone had got it. You know, he, here he is thinking they're they're watching, you know, Bambi. <laughs> he he gives her the video, and you know, five year olds they know how to put the the video in, they know how to push play, and he was getting his work done, thought she was okay, and watching her videos, and someone had gone in there and retaped pornography in this video that he had went and rented at Blockbuster. So she was exposed to this and kept watching it and then finally shared with her dad, hey, that wasn't that wasn't the movie that I had asked for. And when he went on there, I, I can't even imagine as a as a father just the devastation of, okay, I just let my daughter watch this. Um, video that had to, and it did. It had a horrific um, follow-up for for her, and she ended up at a very young age becoming addicted to porn. And just to have these conversations, it, it, even for for this father, you're you're in such denial, and you're so embarrassed that okay, why wasn't I more aware of what she was doing, and why did I just you know allow that? So there's the guilt and the shame on the and the parents' role of that. That those are great conversations to be able to to share and unpack with others. And I know on on the break you were sharing a, a story of another gentleman. If you don't mind sharing that as well. Yeah, let me let me start out for saying something about porn in general. Um, porn is just the symptom, right? Um, people use porn to get something else. Um, porn, what porn does is, is hook into a longing that we all have, something that God put into us, a longing for relationship, for connection, for intimacy. And so porn promises through its misuse of sex that you can escape your problems, you can escape your loneliness, your desperateness that might be there in your life. And through the fantasy world of porn, you can believe that you're actually getting something that you can't get in real life. So I was working with a young man in our church, and he was lonely. Um, he was struggling after college. He was trying to establish him, himself in a, in a career. And pornography, which had always been a problem for him, became more of a problem as he slipped further into depression and despair. And what happens with pornography, too, is that you get bored with it. Um, it's much like taking substances. You need more and more in order to get more of the impact and, and jolt that you're looking for. And so there's a tendency in looking at porn to edge closer toward more extreme images. And he began to get closer and closer uh, to that point where one night... He wound up downloading some photos of um, individuals who were under 18, and he did not know that. And those images were tagged by the state police. And the next day, he was arrested for child uh, porn. Uh, and his entire world collapsed, as you can imagine. Um, and and what happened after that was he was uh, tried and convicted um, he has the label now of being a sexual offender, and uh, and his whole life just simply collapsed uh, over the last couple of years. 
Um, but one of the things that, that God does when, when our lives uh, and we're stripped of everything but him is that you never know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you've got left. Uh-huh. And in this case, um, his faith, which was always in many ways lived on the margin, became the central focus of his life. And in the last few years, he has begun to put his life back together, gone back to college. Um, Jobs are difficult for him, but he's pursuing something uh, that is more his own business, and he's making some progress. Um, But the main thing for him was he was desperate for relationship and for connection, for intimacy. And um, porn provided the false substitute for that, which eventually... um, exploded in his life mm. Mm. He, and that can was, happen that can happen to just about anyone patty yeah anyone. yeah yeah um i i really want to reiterate what you said you don't know that jesus is all you need till jesus is all you got yeah. and a powerful statement and and also what you said you know just unpacking that it, it's not about porn it's when you're desperate for those relationships and for the connection. And especially as we're, we're talking and, you know, with alive is really focusing on the students and for them when they, when they're so caught up and they, they might go on and see some things and, you know, they, they'll say, Oh, it started with curiosity. And that yet it just, you just keep going back and, what a powerful story that this young guy, he was going back because like you said, you, you just keep wanting more. And I, and I forget how you, you said that, but it's the misuse of you need more and more to get a better jolt. I think is what you said. And yeah, we call, we call porn uh, visual cocaine. Ah, uh, yeah. To get that visual cocaine. Once again, you're, you're looking for, that hope in the wrong places and then boom you don't even realize that you're going on and looking at these images on a site that now you're going to go to prison and and we recently had in our community a basketball coach that you know went to our church kids loved him mm-hmm. he was a, a teacher and uh, you know a girls basketball coach and and similar story of what he did and like you said the FBI they have the, some of those sites tagged and the next thing you know uh, he's he's on his way he's not in prison yet as he has to go through all the court proceedings etc but wow talk about just self destruction and destroying your life when you think you're doing something where no one's watching and you think you're in this hidden place in this corner over here that I can compartmentalize who I am. I can have this relationship with Christ over here, but I can go over here and keep this hidden in this dark secret here because you're not having those conversations. And and do you have something else there with, with Nicholas? Because as I say that, you know, we, we do. It's easy to compartmentalize. And, it, and the enemy comes along and says— you know, that that's okay. This is your corner over here. You're a good person. You're doing these great things. You're over here coaching these girls. And and yet your mind, your thought process is hiding out 
in, in this corner. We, we just have three minutes before we go into a commercial break, but what are your thoughts there as I was saying that? Uh, I think in, in many ways we all live split lives. Um, there are things that we are so terrified that others will know about us. Uh, and yet for a big issue like this, um, I think our churches um, have a number of people. Uh, I was thinking of uh, that famous quote by Henry David Thoreau, the, the, mass of, the mass of men live lives of quiet desperation. That's what it means to live a split life, that you've got this outside appearance, but inside there's another part of you that uh, you're so terrified to let out into the open. Um, the reason, again, for Alive is to raise these types of scenarios within each chapter on each subject and to get the youth to begin to say, or think at least, yeah, I've got this problem, and if I'm able to begin to, to talk it out um, in this classroom event or this youth group event or small group, then maybe in the, in, in the safety that I'm experiencing right now, I can begin to go to someone privately and say, that scenario is me, and I need help. Um, when churches begin to say, we are all people at some various stage of mess, and we all need each other to walk forward into growth and change, then we become more and more of a safe environment for these things to, to happen. And that's why we want dialogue again. We've got to be able to get people to say or to think it's okay for me to raise this issue. I'm not going to get a hammer coming down on me. Uh, I, I actually was writing down what you were saying there, Nicholas, because uh, <laughs> I love what you said. Basically, we're all messed up. And you heard it right here from Nicholas Black. That <laughs> you're messed be my mess, but we're we're all one big huge hot mess, and and with that, before we go into our our commercial break, just know we need to figure out a way to raise these scenarios up and let us talk about it in a safe environment as we walk forward. And with that, we're going on a commercial break, and we'll be right back after this message. This is Girlfriend on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. 
It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Nuts are an overall good choice for snacking. Almonds are my favorite nut, and I try to include them in my daily eating. Almonds have more calcium than any other nut. They are low in carbs, but high in fiber and protein. Studies show that eating almonds and other nuts will give you a feeling of fullness longer and help you eat fewer calories throughout the day. 12 almonds are under 100 calories and very satisfying. Peanuts are another good choice. Health Magazine says that like most other nuts, peanuts are also full of brain-boosting healthy fats and vitamin E as well. One ounce of peanuts, about 28 unshelled nuts, contains about 170 calories, 7 grams of protein, and 14 grams of fat. Eating nuts helps your brain power and reduces inflammation. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back. We are chatting with uh, Nicholas Black, and he is from Harvest USA. It's a nonprofit that has been ministering to individuals and families um, since 1983. And Nicholas, what you said before we went into the break about just raising these scenarios up, getting people to have the, the conversations, being able to dialogue and share and one, one of the, the comments that I, I can't remember what book I got, I got this from, but how leaders will listen and managers talk. And I thought that is so true within the church, often as, as student pastors or youth pastors or just, you know, pastors in general, as well as those that are leading small groups for, you know, students or they're counseling, they're, they're doing, you know, whatever it is that for those listeners that are out there to remember that we can talk and talk and talk and talk. But until we start listening, that's when others are able to figure out what they're processing. And that's when we can all move forward, creating that safe environment. Um, I, I know there have been times I've been with leaders in groups and someone will share, maybe this is going on with my brother or this is going on with my sister. And I, that discernment, I'm kind of feeling as if that's my friend, you know, quote unquote, when really it's going on in their life. And I realize, okay, this isn't a safe place. They're having to put a name on somebody else because they don't want to take ownership over it. And I've watched leaders just shut them down. Like, okay, well, this is what they need to do. And this is the scripture you need to give them and X, Y, Z. And you automatically see that person shutting down and you realize, okay, that wasn't the dialogue. That wasn't the the conversation in, um, as you said, raising these scenarios up. And so, you know, sexuality can be a, a really awkward topic of conversation. And so how do you address how leaders can deal with that to get students to talk and be able to read them? Like I said, in this situation, I, I saw her just shut down when she tried to share her scenario. 
Yeah, two things. Uh, the reason for, again, the curriculum, the way it's structured was to create these third-party scenarios and then get the kids and the youth talking about these issues, at least from the beginning, more on a conceptual, intellectual level, a cultural level, engaging both what Scripture says and what the messages that the culture gives. But I would say one big thing that creates a safe environment is that when these issues are talked about and raised, you don't get shocked by the fact that these things exist. We have another saying here at Harvest USA, God is not shocked at your problems. He's not shocked at all. He knows that you are just flesh and that the world is a hard place to live. What God wants to do is step into your life and work with you to lead you to freedom, to lead you to the change that he's calling you to. Um, when we are shocked, that's when we tend to become judgmental and harsh. When we are shocked, that's when we tend to not be a safe person that can hear these stories anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, if God's not shocked by it, we shouldn't be shocked by it either. It I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw something at you that it's, it sounds judgmental, and, and so maybe it is. So I'm asking for forgiveness in advance. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> it, when, have you experienced a, a situation where someone is sharing and someone, a, a leader that is, is talking, they immediately go into just talking about the gospel? It's like, I just, I want to save this person. I, I want this person to, you know, have a, a transformed life. And I'm going to throw scripture on you uh, rather than listening to what they have to say. Guide, guide us and, and the listeners there on, on what you do in that situation. Or maybe there's a listener there that relates to that. It's like, that's the only answer you have is to, you know, well, let me share the gospel with you. Mm -hmm. If you become a believer, then this wouldn't be a problem. Oh, okay. well, that's not true. <laughs> right then and there. <laughs> um, no, we are we are of the world, but we are still in. The, we are not of the world, but we are still in the world. So, being a Christian uh, it doesn't mean that we're above all, any of these things at all. Uh, I think we tend to use the gospel or throw scripture at people because we just don't know what to say. So that means that we haven't really listened well. And it, ha and it means that we're not really as interested as we should be in who is that person across the table from me or in the small group talking with me. We do behaviors for a reason. So when somebody expresses or discloses what they're struggling with, what you want to be doing is going at where their heart is. What, what is it that they want there? What is it that they're longing for? What, what's the pressure points? I think you've used the word pressure many times in our talking today. What's the pressure here that's making you, um, pushing you in that direction? Um, when you begin to connect with a, another person's heart, then I think the gospel doesn't simply get slapped on top as if it's some anesthetic bomb. Uh, it, it can then begin to go deeper to where the, the person really lives in their heart. Um, so that's how we would do it. And then how would you guide this other leader to help them 
what, what kind of feedback would you, would you share with them to go, you know, and, and I really appreciate your anesthetic bomb, <laughs> you know, what, what would you say to them? Well, I, I, I would certainly take the leader aside and, and want to walk through why he or she um, responded that way. Why, why the quickness? Um, why did they feel perhaps pressure to simply go in this direction? I, 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 would, I would just simply point that out to them and, and hopefully point out to them that, it, depending on the scenario, um, sometimes when we simply throw a scripture verse at someone, it shuts conversation down. And um, when, when scripture is applied in relational contexts, where we begin to know somebody better and well, um, scripture doesn't just land like, um, you know, like like a like a thud on a hardwood floor. It begins, <clears throat> excuse me, it begins to to make a an impact on someone. So I would point that out to the leader. Yeah, <clears throat> I I I wrote that down, and I hope our listeners are doing the the same thing because it's we can shut the leader down as well if we go to them and just say you know don't don't drop that anesthetic bomb using your your words on top but ask them why and i think it's so powerful leader to leader because often you know what you what you said there they don't know how to respond we respond with the way we think is 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 supposed to be the way okay you know give them scripture it's sharper than any two-edged sword and we'll just let scripture do the talking and often it's no one needs to do the talking they need to be the one you know just sharing and unpacking and just keep keep listening so ask questions from leader to leader to say what are your thoughts on that how did you feel when they said this and what was going on? You know, you shared that scripture. How do you think they responded to it when you shared the scripture? Because, and you probably have all kinds of stories, Nicholas, of, of I know it, it can kind of get into this legalism, for lack of a better term, mm -hmm. as, as we, we feel like, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to put this bandaid by throwing this scripture here and, once again, being judgmental in why didn't you give them this scripture and why didn't you say this or why didn't you let them know that, that that's not right, that this is wrong and this is sin. And we so easily want to point out that sin and we, we need to be ready for a paradigm shift, especially if we're taking this book alive and we're ready to have these conversations to be in the right place to, to listen. I, I honestly think you have to be ready to do this study if you feel that you've got all the answers figured out and you're gonna, just going to tell students on where they need to be in their walk with Christ. Can you add to that? Uh, I think, I, I hope I tracked with you on that one. Um, if if by thinking you have all the answers, then then you're not going to be listened to well. <laughs> I mean, youth in particular are those who are looking for people who are authentic, who are real about their life, and nobody has it all together. 
However, um, this is where it's important. We can talk about the biblical view of sex and sexuality and gender. And the thing that we want to point out is that it's not our personal opinion, that this is not something that, um, that we've just decided we want this to be the way it is. Uh, God has created it this way. And we ourselves also, at times, may have struggles with it. So that's, again, we get back to, I don't have it all together, so I'm going to make certain you do. It's more like, hey, God God has called us to a high calling of sexual integrity, and it is not easy uh, to live that life. I don't know if we have time to talk about this, but in 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul gives to the church this high calling to live a life of sexual integrity. He says, um, for this is the will of God. Uh, that you abstain from sexual immorality. But he also starts out by saying, finally, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus. You know what's amazing about that statement? It's not a command. He's not barking at the church. He's He knows um, that this is not an easy thing to do. So earlier in the in the book, he actually says, and we're talking about relationships, for you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. Paul knew them, and he knew them well, intimately. That's how that's how the gospel gets communicated. Mm, and that is so powerful. And we are at the end of our show. So thank you so much, Nicholas. And thank you for that last poignant thought. We appreciate what you're doing. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the 